Hi, this is Nick Forster. This week in E-Town, we're going to revisit one of our favorite shows, and it starts right now. Live from E-Town Hall in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains, it's E-Town with this week's guests from Detroit, Michigan, Anna Birch, Achievement Award winner, Murray Fisher, and now living in Austin, Texas, Strand of Oaks. I'm Helen Forster. Join me now in welcoming our host, Nick Forster. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Helen. Welcome to E-Town Hall. We have an entire show that's kind of about new beginnings, about almost giving up and then trying again. We've all done it. I know it looks easy a lot of times when we see musicians play on stage. It's easy to say, oh, man, that looks like so much fun. You get to travel around and play your songs and get paid and you get to hang out with all these new people. It's not really what it looks like. It's hard. It's hard to do it well. It's hard to keep it going. Hard to find the balance between touring and leading that artistic life and commerce. It's hard. So this week we've got two artists who restarted, who recalibrated, took a little breather, almost thought about not doing it again, but decided to come back, and they did, and we're really glad they did. We've also got a great story about high school kids who are helping oysters start all over again in New York Harbor. So that's kind of a new beginning. Um, in what was once, I think, one of the largest and healthiest oyster beds in the world, New York Harbor. Anyway, we're going to learn about that and why it matters. Up first, Tim Showalter is Strand of Oaks. He has had his shares of, of uh, adventures and all kinds of success, but also some misadventures over the years, including a car wreck and house fire and other stuff like that. But he's so talented. He keeps writing, keeps making records, touring, performing, building connections to other musicians, to his fans. And as I say, he took a breather, wondered if he could do more. He went to the beach, and it's not the beach that you're thinking about. He went to the beach in New Jersey in February and uh, took some time to write and uh, kind of really just restart, and he wrote some great songs, and that's, those are all on his new record. So he's here with us with his band. We're really happy he's back. Please help me welcome back to E-Town, Strand of Oaks. Back to the meaning of life 
Jim, welcome back. Very good to be back. Strand of Oaks. So uh, I described the beach in New Jersey in the wintertime. Tell us what was going on with that. What was the deal? What made that seem like a good idea? Well, it was a bit of a process, but I was feeling pretty down, and as we all do, but I was telling my wife, I just felt like I was getting untethered from the things that mattered, and just I think it was a quiet kind of darkness. And... And my wife and I had been, we'd visited Wildwood, New Jersey. Uh, it's on the southern tip of New Jersey in the summer. And I'd actually gone a few times in the winter because it's very peaceful. You're the only, it's Cormac McCarthy level yeah. landscape. <laughs> and uh, I, I loved it because it was like a um, sensory deprivation because the fog and the, the yeah. sound of the ocean and the excitement of having a purpose yeah. and having something to work towards. But your songwriting was not so much driven by the excitement of the opportunity that you're about to have as much as it was really about dealing with what you were going through. Like, I, I don't feel it anymore. I'm yeah. not sure, you know, I, I'm... And I'm that's down. a heartbreaking line for me because as you've known the few times we've talked, yeah. I like to talk. I like connectivity. I like people. And it seems like a throwaway line, but me saying I don't feel it anymore, I live and breathe music. And yeah. every day I'm either listening or making it. And... And just kind of like that passion in general was going away. And that first line, at least biographically for me, is is tragic right. <laughs> to say. No, it's tragic to hear. And I wonder, I mean, obviously anybody in the creative field goes through dark nights of the soul and they think about, what's the point? What am I doing? I'm not feeling the forward momentum. Either people seem to be all winning and I'm not or, or whatever. Yeah. There's always that self-doubt. Yep. Hey, in case you just tuned in, you're listening to E-Town. I'm here with Strand of Oaks. Um, I want to just point out for our listeners that, you know, we develop sort of stereotypical 
ideas about people based on how they look. So um, this is a guy who's covered with tattoos and he's got a beard and long hair and, and he is the sweetest, softest soul, right? He's just a total teddy bear. So I just want to point that out. You can't always judge a book by its cover. So the rock and roll facade, man, we're, we're sort of destroying your the whole smile disarms future. it. I can't, yeah. I'm just happy to be here. So I yeah. can't really do the, the like 90s press photo of just like, yeah. that's impossible for me. The scowl. <laughs> yeah. The I'm better than you scowl. Exactly. Listen, I think, um, I think you made a really good record. And Thanks, I think whatever Dave. the process was, I'm, I'm glad you went through it. I'm glad you're on the other side of it. Yeah. And that's the thing. I, you know, although the record started from somewhat of a darker place, it's just love. It's just, yeah. that's, it's all I'm reminded of, their faces yeah. and the people involved with it. Right. Carl Brommel, he's the guitarist in My Morning Jacket, hmm. and uh, Patrick Hallahan, Tom Blankenship, and Bo Coster. Yeah. It's just, and just, I should mention, Jason Isbell contributed too, and he's somebody you <laughs> yeah. have known for a long time. Exactly. I mean, yeah. it was the same way. I don't know if there was some telegram that went out, like, beep, 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 beep Tim is Danger, danger. <laughs> danger, <Yeah>. danger. <laughs> but the... <laughs> But luckily, you know, yeah. Jason was the same way. He was like, yeah. anything you need. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, that's great. And it's great to know that that can happen. Anyway, meanwhile, we're going to hear some more music. Glad you got a chance to come back. Thanks for having us, us back. I yeah, missed awesome. it here. I missed, this, is, this is wonderful here. Oh, cool. So. Well, let's get back to music. Welcome back, if you would, Strand of Oaks.
Strand of Oaks, Jim Showalter, lead vocals and guitar, Max Somerville on the keyboards, Ross Flournoy on the guitar and vocals, and Casey Toll on the bass, Patrick Berkery on the drums. The record's called Eraserland, out on Dead Ocean's record. They'll be back to play some more music later on in the show. 
Your visit to E-Town is made possible in part by the Scientific and Cultural Facilities District, or SCFD, one of the largest cultural funding mechanisms in the United States, supporting nearly 300 organizations in the greater Denver area. And by our diverse family of NPR affiliates and community stations, plus college and commercial stations, as well as our international stations and podcast subscribers worldwide. Thank you for your continued support. As a reminder for your viewing pleasure, there are over 2,000 videos on the E-Town YouTube channel, where you can also subscribe in order to stay up to date with our latest offerings. You're listening to E-Town. I'm Nick Forster. You're listening to E-Town Strand of Oaks. It's going to be back later on in the show. And coming up, Anna Birch is here, Michigan native singer-songwriter. She's going to sing songs from her first um, solo record. But first, you all know, every week we get to share a story of um, someone who is doing something outstanding in their hometown. Listeners generally tell us about these folks, and we get to pass it on to you. So thanks to all of you out there who keep sending in stories. And um, this week's is certainly a really good one. It's the Achievement Award, and here comes Helen Forster to tell you about this week's winner. Thank you, Nick. This week's winner is Murray Fisher, who's nominated for his work cleaning up the water in and around the Hudson and the New York Harbor. Now, Murray grew up with a love of nature. He studied biology at Vanderbilt University, and he worked with organizations like Hudson River Keeper and Waterkeeper Alliance. And in 2003, he started something called the Harbor School to get high school kids connected to the waters around New York City. On an excursion with a biology teacher, Murray discovered in that polluted water around New York, there was in fact a thriving aquaculture that included fish and shrimp and oysters. Now he knew New York had once been the oyster capital of the world, but the oyster beds were completely destroyed by 1905. Well, seeing that fresh life in the water inspired Murray to launch something called the Billion Oyster Project. It's a collaboration involving restaurants, high school students, volunteers, and the state of New York, along with the students at the Harbor School, with the goal of bringing a billion oysters back into New York Harbor by 2035, and in the process, cleaning up the water surrounding New York. To tell us more, please welcome from New York City, Murray Fisher. Hey, Murray, welcome. Hello. Thank welcome. you. So happy to be here. I'm so glad you're here. So first of all, congratulations on the Harbor School, because I just imagine that starting a school is not easy. Could you tell us a little bit about how you did that and why you did it? Sure. So the New York Harbor School is a public marine science high school. And I give a lot of credit to Mayor Bloomberg, because at the time when he started becoming mayor of New York City, he said, I want to be judged on how well I can educate the kids in New York City. And so he proposed a gigantic reform of the system, which included phasing out the largest, worst-performing high schools. 
and replacing them with small theme-based high schools. And he put out a request for proposals. And so we responded to that. So I led a team that responded to a process that the city right. had put out there. That's so cool. And where's the school located? It started in Bushwick, Brooklyn, about as far from the water as you can get in all of New York City. Yeah. But in 2010, we moved, after seven years, we moved to Governor's Island right in the middle of New York Harbor. Oh, wild. And so uh, kids who go to school there have to take a ferry. Kids have to take a ferry. Most of them have to take a subway or buses. We have kids from every single zip code in all of New York City. And so it's quite a commute to school. And tell us about the kids. It's a lottery to get in, 550 students, grades 9 through 12. Just amazing diversity of every yeah. kind of student in New York City, every background, every culture, ethnicity, religion, yeah. and academic background. So, and you've got to obviously provide them with fundamentals in math and reading and everything else, and you have no control over what level these kids are at when they're coming in in ninth grade. Some of them probably are pretty far behind. Right. It's a really wide range of kids in terms of their academics, but luckily they get to choose a career and technical education focus. And in those classes, none of the students have any experience. Yeah. And so they're all coming into that as equals, which is great. That's so cool. So this is completely new for these kids. This is like... For most I, of them. Yeah. I grew up in New York and I maybe I've never even saw the water or never paid attention to the water in the East River or the Hudson or anything. Exactly. And so Helen mentioned you went out with a biology teacher one day and you were just poking around and you found this, holy smokes, look at all this stuff, this life that's in right. this dirty water. Just filled with life. Right. And uh, we were doing the oyster gardening every Saturday and it was becoming more and more successful. And we had about 20 oyster gardens around the city. And uh, we had a volunteer come start working with us whose name was Pete Malinowski. And he grew up on an oyster farm. And so he sort of was able to look at what we were doing and sort of say, we shouldn't be oyster gardening. We should be oyster farming. Hmm. And uh, one thing led to another. And then we launched the Billion Oyster Project. Billion Oyster Project. Well, tell us a little bit about what oysters do. What's their secret? Oysters are important because they perform three big ecosystem services. One is that they would have historically surrounded temperate water cities and estuaries with huge reefs up to the low tide mark. And so those would help slow down storms and wave action. The second thing is that they provide habitat for hundreds of different marine animals and fish and plants. And the third is that every oyster filters about a gallon of water an hour. And that means that they remove every particulate in the water, and the water that comes out of the oyster is gin clear. So an oyster bed with a whole bunch of oysters can literally filter a huge amount of water. Exactly. So what do you do? Put more adults in the system so that you have more larvae. Put more shells down on the bottom so you have that substrate for the oysters to attach to. They like to attach to old oyster shells. Right. Their favorite thing is live oyster shells. Their second favorite thing is dead oyster shells. Their third favorite thing is uh, dead clam or other shellfish. So they really have preferences. Um, They're picky little larvae, aren't they? <laughs> they are. I mean, they swim around for two weeks in the water column looking for live oyster shells. And really? sadly, every May in New York Harbor, billions of oysters die in the mud because there's nothing else on the bottom of New York Harbor except that mud. Oh, wow. Or our small little oyster reefs that we've planted. Wild. Okay. Where do you get your oyster shells? So we gather 8,000 pounds of oyster shells from 80 restaurants around New York City. Right now, about 700 restaurants serve oysters, but most of those get discarded into the trash, and that trash gets hauled down the East Coast to North Carolina landfills. Mm -hmm. Instead, we want to reclaim those shells. We dry them in Staten Island for a year under the sun so that they're biologically inert, so that they can't put anything bad back into the water. And then we use those in our lab to grow baby oysters, and we use them in our reefs. Cool. So you're diverting a bunch of oyster shells that would otherwise go in the landfill. Exactly. And in theory, all this is going to be something that will almost self-generate after a while. I mean, if you've got millions and millions or even a billion oysters 
then all of those larvae will find places to attach and That's and the goal. So we're holding ourselves accountable to actively planting a billion oysters by 2035. But what we hope is that some point throughout the course of this work, there will reach a tipping point where the oysters start reproducing themselves. Yeah. And that our efforts to put in a couple million oysters a year will be insignificant compared to how many oysters they're, they're growing naturally. Yeah. And it's cool that there's the historical precedent, right? So when Henry Hudson or my ancestors arrived in New York in the 1600s, the place was just teeming with oysters, right? Apparently there were 220,000 acres of oyster reefs. It would have been Henry Hudson's largest navigational hazard that he would have had to go around. And they found that those oyster reefs protected all of the city islands from storms up until the early 1800s when we had removed them all and eaten them all. Wow. So we literally removed our storm protection. We ate our storm protection. Wow. Um, I'm sure there's a website if people want to learn more and see pictures of what the kids are doing. Is there a way they of can? Of course, uh, bop.nyc or billionoysterproject.org. And also we have just had uh, come out, uh, Discovery Channel did a 45-minute documentary about the Billion Oyster Project. Hmm. It's through the lens of the students doing this work. Cool. Well, I can't wait to see that, and I can't wait to learn more. And meanwhile, congratulations, winner of this week's Achievement Award, Murray Fisher, Billion Oyster Project, the New York Harbor School, doing good work. Thank you. For Next Generations. Congratulations. Thank you all so much. Thanks so much, Murray. Thank you so much, Nick. Thank you so much, Helen. Wow, what a great story. If by chance you tuned in in the middle of this segment and you'd like to hear the whole thing, as always, you can find this program for free through your favorite podcast distributors or on our website, etown.org. Thank you, Helen. Thanks, Murray. Good stuff. Good stuff. People doing good things. We've got more music coming up from Strand of Oaks Before Long. And right now, I'm going to tell you about what's next. Anna Birch grew up in Michigan. When she was a teenager, she joined a band called Frontier Ruckus that toured and recorded. And after a while, she decided to take a break from touring and went to graduate school in Chicago. And then a few years later, she moved to Detroit and got back into music. She also started making demos of her own songs um, just into her phone. And some friends heard those and encouraged her to sort of release her own record, which she has done. And she's here to play some of those songs right now. So please welcome to E-Town for her first visit, Anna Birch. Nick is going to join me on this song. So thank you, Nick. The song is called Belle Isle. Some burned and some. 
Welcome, first of all. Thanks so much for having me. Good to hear you. So you're a Michigan native. Where'd you grow up? Uh, I grew up in southwest Michigan on the lake in a town called St. Joseph. So right on the water. Yes. And was it a musical family, musical household? It was, yeah. yeah. My mom is a pianist. She was also the children's choir director at church. Okay. So So you were right in there singing in the church choir when you were little. I was. It's true. Yeah. Did she teach you all about how to sing harmony and how to find stuff to sing? She did, yeah. I mean, maybe not explicitly, but yeah. she would always harmonize to anything that came on the radio. So That's cool. picked it up from her, definitely. Did you have some other musical heroes other than your mom when you were growing up? My Aunt Martha, who was on my dad's side, and we weren't incredibly close, but she fiddles, but she's also like a classically trained cellist. But she mostly did kind of more bluegrass tunes, and she'd come around, and she always made sure we playing music, and she and my mom would do the four hands kind of thing on the piano. Oh, that's and, cool. Yeah, it was really fun. Yeah. You got into a band when you were a teenager, Frontier Ruckus, when you were, I think, 18, right? Yes. Yeah, it was my freshman year in college when I met them. Yeah. 
Did you have the crazy uh, experiences of traveling around and playing every bar and sleeping on floors and being oh, in a van yeah. and all that stuff? Oh, yeah. 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 With uh, four to five guys. <laughs> I was the only girl. How long did you do that? Throughout my college years. And oh, then wow. we signed to a label as I was leaving college. And so we wound up getting a booking agent and touring a lot, like pretty relentlessly for about a year. And that's when I stepped away for a minute because yeah. it, it became a little too much. Right. The other thing I just want to mention is you write about being a newcomer to a new town and you write pretty candidly about not always making the best choices with boys and things like that. Is that going better? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, uh, I've been in a stable relationship for over four years now. Um, the songs on my first record I wrote pretty much immediately after moving to Detroit yeah. in the first nine months that I was there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, things are different now, and uh, I have a, a new record oh, that cool. uh, will be out in April. Oh, so okay, those cool. songs are maybe not quite as misadventurous in terms of romance. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, it's, a, it's nice to get to know you a little bit. Nice to hear your songs. Let's, let's hear some more, shall Sounds we? Sounds good. Okay, welcome back, if you would, Anna Birch. going to welcome Helen and uh, the rest of the E-Tones to the stage to accompany on this song from my first record called Too Cool to Care. Slamming all your drinks, you don't have to think about
Donna Birch. Thank you. The record's called Quit the Curse, along with the E-Tones, Chris Engelman, Christian Teal, Ron Jolly, and Helen Forster from Detroit, Michigan. Anna Birch. This portion of E-Town is made possible by the Bohemian Foundation, building stronger communities through the Bohemian qualities of creativity and imagination. On the web at bohemianfoundation.org. Hey, if you're curious about E-Town's home base, E-Town Hall, our beautiful solar-powered music venue, community center, and recording studio in downtown Boulder, Colorado, you can learn more about it on our website, etown.org. If you happen to tune in late and you've missed some of this week's program, the E-Town Podcast will have this episode and others, along with content from past shows as well. It'll be available for free in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, and other podcast directories. You're listening to E-Town. I'm Nick Forster. I'd like to say hello to our listeners who are hearing E-Town on stations like WITH in Ithaca, New York, on KOTO in Telluride, Colorado, and on WMFE in Orlando, Florida. As always, there's more information about all our shows online at etown.org. So we've had a pretty good little bit of variety. We heard about uh, the kids in New York. You know, it's a giant job. And I will say, as a guy who used to live in New York and in the Hudson Valley, the thing that made the biggest difference was a combination of activists and legislation that passed, the Clean Water Act. That made a huge difference in the quality of the water in the Hudson River and in New York Harbor. And you know that it's, you remember those days? There was actually like good ideas and bipartisan support and all that stuff. We can have those days again, folks. All you got to do is vote and we can do that. Some 
It's going to be amazing. Anna Birch is going to come out right at the end for our well-chosen finale. But right now, please help me welcome back to the stage, Strand of Oaks.
Strand of Oaks. That's Tim Chowalter, Max Somerville, Ross Flournoy, Casey Toll, Patrick Berkery. The record is called Eraser Man. I want to thank all our guests this week. I want to thank um, our award winner, Murray Fisher from the Billion Oyster Project, getting kids involved in restoring oyster beds, cleaning up water in New York Harbor. Thanks to Anna Birch coming out from Detroit to be with us. Thanks to Helen and the E-Tones, and thanks to Strand of Oaks. We've got a... Um, We've got a great song picked out for our finale. It's one we've never done before. It's not about Detroit, exactly, or um, renewable energy, uh, but it is a Cars song. And uh, I'm Nick Forster. Hope you can be with us next week right here in E-Town.
wasting all my time, time Cause when you're standing oh so near I kinda lose my mind, yeah It's not the perfume that you wear It's not the ribbons in your hair This is a production of E-Town.